The Conquest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cabby Productions. Hello, and welcome back to The Conquest of Bliss. I am here with the lovely Becca Switzer. Is, is that pronounced right? That's right. Okay. It's not Schweitzer, just like Switzerland. You got it. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So how are you today, Becca? I'm doing fantastic. Um, I am joining or enjoying a beautiful day in Colorado. It is, we call it Pleasantville, USA, where I live. It's like <laughs> 70 degrees every day, birds chirping, sun shining. So things are going well. 70 degrees. So that's like, I think like 20-ish here. I don't really know. I, I'm guessing. You're um, on that Celsius game. I sure am. Up, up here in the sea to the Anada, which is a reference to John Lejoie, who nobody will know, but that's okay. I don't know who that is, but I am Canadian myself, but uh, no I was way. born in Newfoundland. Newfoundland? <laughs> You're a that's Newfoundland. Great. That's so cool. That's, that's so exciting I to me. I am a You've clearly yeah. not been in Newfoundland for quite a while. You'd be able to hear. You'd be able to hear it. Oh yeah, you'd be able to get, I have a recording on my fist. So very long story short, um, my parents moved to the States when I was six years old and I was super Canadian, of course, when I arrived <laughs> in the States and kids were like, what is this Martian doing here? Ask me what it's like to live in an igloo, things of, of that course, nature. You know, of kids. course, as one does. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so by no fault of my own, my, it's a bunch of just family chaos and drama, but um, I really didn't get to go back to Canada until... I was an adult. And so uh, I recently just over the summer went to visit my grandparents and my aunts and uncles in Newfoundland. And I recorded them having a conversation <laughs> on my phone. And I play it just like a 60 second clip for my friends. And I'm like, if you can guess what they're talking about, I will give you $100. And they're like, what are they saying? It's so fantastic. It's like, oh, I mean, I love Newfie accents. Obviously, our accents are not nearly as um, difficult to understand. But I just right. love Newbie accents because it's like, it's kind of like Irish and then it's kind of yeah. like a maritime accent and it's like kind of its own thing yeah. and it's just fantastic. So that's cool. See, this is, is the beauty of not talking to people much before I interview them is then I get to learn new things <laughs> on the podcast. So that's right. We it. It's exploration. Um, the reason that I invited you to here today, as you know, is I saw you on a different podcast and I just thought, dang, that girl has so much to say. So, <laughs> so can you tell, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and, and what led you to be dangable? <laughs> <laughs> dangable. Wow. Well, you know, my life started just like anyone else's life when I came screaming into planet Earth as a little meatball shitting myself and crying and, <laughs> and totally helpless, right? And um, I guess as I began to go into adulthood, I definitely started uh, becoming more introspective about my own human experience. And uh, I think one of the biggest... I got married when I was 21. Oh, wow. And uh, like the first person I'd ever been with, we met when I was 19. We got married when I was 21. We were together total for eight and a half years. So we were married for six and a half years. And during that time, you know how much takes place between age of 19 <laughs> and even 25 or 30. Yep. Like you just completely turn into a different person, right? And so I think I really struggled with my own humanness during that time. I wasn't happy in my marriage. Um, I also grew up in a very tumultuous with a very tumultuous childhood. My my mother has borderline personality disorder and like mm. it was just 
chaos and like anger and screaming and violence and invalidating feelings. And my, my childhood was a little bit fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't, I don't think I processed a lot of those uh, emotions and feelings. And I never really learned to get in touch with how I was really feeling or how to express those. So through the process of getting married and then um, building a business with this person, but then realizing like I was actually deeply unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. I kind of had my like dark night of the soul moment, right? Like I ended up getting divorced and then that totally broke me down into nothingness. Like I was just such an absolute wreck that I had to turn to like, okay, I need to figure out how to how to be, like how to cope, how to accept feelings. Like what is going on right now? I'd never felt that bad in my entire life. And so through that process, process, I really, over the last few years, I'm continuing to gain, I shouldn't say I've gained a great understanding, but I have gained a lot of insight on what it means to choose your own way and what joy really is and what accepting your feelings is and and, and all of that. So it's really, uh, I feel like my journey right now is about just the authentic human experience and really sharing that message from what I'm learning to help people alleviate their own suffering and enjoy the present moment. And these are all loaded terms that you hear when you read books or you, you have spiritual teachers, right? Or you listen to meditations. And I think all of those what have become almost cliche phrases are finally really sinking in and I'm really reveling in the opportunity to experience those fully with my own human experience. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's fantastic. So oh, you said so many interesting things and I'm like, Ooh, what do I, what do I start with? Um, I, I mean, I'll start with the simplest. Yeah. Cliches, ugh, cliches are cool because they're cliches are cliches for a reason. It doesn't always mean that they're a hundred percent true. Some, some of them are, some of them aren't. But they're always true to someone's experience. They're so interesting because like if enough people say something to become a cliche, like there's something to it, regardless of, you know, (laughs) sorry, can you say that again? I said, yeah, there's got to be something to it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, okay. So you said so many things and it's so interesting. Marrying young, I can't imagine. I, uh, but okay. The the big thing that stuck out to me um, is you talked about your mom having BPD. And yeah. that is that is really, really interesting and extremely challenging. So do you, if this is too personal, just let me know. Um, There's no such thing. You can ask and you shall receive. So would you say <laughs> now you have a, like, have you been able to reconcile your relationship with your mom or? No. So I actually haven't been in contact with my parents um, in over six years. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a complicated situation with them. Like I... Have you ever seen the movie Mommy Dearest? Um, I haven't seen the movie, but I, I know the basic idea of it. Okay. Well, sometime when you're bored, look up the video, the no wire hangers. And that's like the energy of, of my mom, unfortunately. And, and now that I'm older, I'm able to have compassion. Like I, I understand that she's so disconnected from herself and she lives such a fear-based life that she has to be cruel to other people. Like she makes everybody else responsible for her own unhappiness. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and my dad was just, he's, my dad's an interesting one to crack. He's very, very intelligent. Um, and he can be a good person, but growing up in my household, it was like, my father had to be just do everything he could to not trigger my mom or just like it. And she's triggered all the time. Right. So there's really no, no avoiding that. So, um, it's two human beings that while I'm biologically related to, they don't have any uh, interest or consciousness to take responsibility for their own actions or feelings. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in a situation like that, 
it's not possible to have a relationship with them. And Mm -hmm. so eventually I just decided it's better for me to not have them in my life. Like you have to make those tough decisions sometimes. I, uh, I don't really feel that I have um, energy, negative energy surrounding it anymore. Like when I think about them, I don't get like physical feelings in my body, which I used to get really, really angry. But now it's just like, you know, I've cut that cord and my life is just so much better without that, that burden. (laughs) So totally. Yeah. That's kind of that. Yeah. And, and it's, a lot of things that you said, um, a lot of the things that you said, I feel like I said that all as one word. Um, a lot of the things you said were <laughs> were really, uh, really powerful, I think. I think a lot of people struggle with knowing knowing what to do. Like, you know, I mean, really, every time, every time we interact with people, it's a balance of compassion and boundaries, right? We have to figure out where where that fits in. And sometimes the boundaries have to be bigger and the compassion less and sometimes more compassion and less boundaries. Um, just depending on the person that you're interacting with. But what what I find interesting, I don't know if that's the right word, um, is is like because I I have had difficulties with my family and, and I went I went the other way, not because well, because I was able to, really, is is what it comes yeah. down to. You know, I mean I think that you really hit the nail on the head where some people just they don't have the capacity to have that equal exchange of energy that a relationship depends on. You know, and it doesn't have right. to be direct one one to one, but you know, especially when there's enabling going on and and things like that, and and you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, you know. Right. So you were talking about the freedom that comes with with reminding yourself you don't owe anyone your love and energy. That's such a right. such a beautiful thing. So, like, have you leading up to that? Had you had any experiences with that, with setting a hard boundary leading up to the six years ago? Or was that really the first time that you had had to set that kind of a boundary? Well, so I would have been 24, 25 at that time when I said, I'm out of here, right? Mm -hmm. And up until then, I mean, I relied on, you know, when you're a teenager and you're your child and you live with your family, you rely on them. I mean, they take care of you, Mm -hmm. right? Even if they're not emotionally (laughs) taking care of you, they put a roof over your head and they keep you alive. to, (laughs) To keep you alive, right? Right. And so when I turned 18, I left and went to college and I I went to college for like two years and I ended up dropping out, met my former husband doing sales. And then we traveled around the country. So I had this kind of separation where I became old enough to leave the nest and I started busting my ass to make money and make sure I could take care of myself. And I didn't have to rely on my parents anymore. And that distance, I, I mean, that allowed me to just be separate from it because I wasn't living in the circus tent that was my family's home. (laughs) Um, But then we started, you know, my, at the time, again, my former husband and I, like we would start to go and do holidays with my parents and stuff like that. And it would just, there's always some drama or explosion or violent event or something. And it was like, okay, even if I separate myself, like, this is a long story. I'm not going to get into the whole story unless you really want to, but in the long and short of it at the time, um, it was, it was Christmas was the last time I saw my family, including my brother, I have a brother that's a year younger than me. And my brother physically assaulted me in front of my mom because I was playing Christmas carols at 6 30 PM in the basement where his room is. Cause I was wrapping presents. He came out and like attacked me and my parents totally, invalidated the whole thing like told me it was my fault <laughs> you know like you should uh, well you shouldn't have been playing music stuff like that and it was that moment or my my ex-husband looked at me and he just goes 
are you kidding me? Like, how, how, how do these people think like this? And it was just a moment like that where I go, there's nothing any of us can do here in this scenario. Like, this is just not something that there's no such thing as boundaries in, in that situation. Like there's just removing yourself from the situation. So that's kind of how the direction it had to go. And they never tried to contact me. My parents, uh, my dad called me this Christmas and left a voicemail. And that was the first I'd heard from them in like six years. Wow. <laughs> so, well, and I mean, yeah, that, not a what was me. Story. I also want to just, Oh, I didn't take it as what was me at all. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I think, yeah, like you made a good point is sometimes like other types of boundaries don't work and the boundary has to be a hard line, like no more contact. And and I right. think what's, th- and maybe this is just me because I'm like an eternal like optimist, like what's a way to frame this that's, that's sort of positive and stuff. But yeah. I think that sometimes, sometimes it's kinder to the person that you have to set that kind of a boundary with to set it to. Because like for me, for example, like I've had situations, um, you know, where I've had to, you know, cut people out of my life for different reasons. And as much as I may have been from some angles or whatever you want to call it, like, you know, like a victim in the sense that, you know, someone was doing something overtly wrong and I was doing something different. Um, Like, you know, like where, where, you know, I was on the receiving end, whatever that happens to be. Um, I think that not only is it good to step away from that being enabled so that they can learn and stuff, but it's also, you know, it creates, at least for me, I can only speak to my experience, but um, like a bitterness and an anger inside of me. And then, you know, eventually you do like lash out back or at the very least it, you know, people, it's palpable when you have bad or angry feelings towards someone. It's palpable yeah. for them and it's uncomfortable for them as well. So in some ways it's kinder, even if they're the one doing the wrong and we we know that, in some ways it's kinder to go, you know what, if you're going to live your life, I'm just going to let you do what you're going to do. And I don't know any other way to do that, but then step away. And right. like you've talked about what, which I thought was really cool is, you know, you don't harbor the, that resentment anymore and that anger anymore, which right. I would say probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, allows you to hold more love in your heart for them from a distance with a, with a different way, which is really empowering to you. And if you believe any of the hippy dippy shit that I believe is, you know, empowering from a distance to them as well. Yeah. I think that in order for two people have to genuinely, genuinely care about each other, despite the differences or the conflicts for there to be boundaries at work. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Both parties have to be invested in it. There's, I don't think there's such thing as like, yeah, respect, genuine care, compassion, um, without that. And when you have somebody who has a personality disorder, where like that doesn't, something isn't connecting in that person, right? Their heart and their mind aren't connecting in that way. And it's, it's almost like they're in, they're in, gosh, I hate to say that, but it's like, they're incapable of genuinely feeling those feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, and so with that, it's, I don't think that without two people that care enough about the relationship, um, to set boundaries that say, okay, I, I really, I understand that some of my behaviors or the things that I do, cause you to feel this way. And while I can't stop doing them, I understand that it hurts you and you set that boundary for them and you can still have some sort of a relationship, right? Yeah. But without that, I don't think that's possible. And to answer your question, loving them from afar, I don't know that I can say yet that I feel genuine love toward my parents. And that's 
totally admitting uh, how I feel. I feel indifference, I think. Okay. Um, I think I can feel compassion for like understanding that people who behave that way are behaving that way, not because of me, but because they're so disconnected from love. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And for that, I feel bad. I I feel terrible for, geez, my mom lives such a disconnected, angry life. Yeah. Um, And I feel bad for her because she's missing out on relationships and connection and depth and all of those things. So... Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think I understand. And I'm just going to try and clarify because, you know, that's what it's all about. Um, so I think that we might just be using the word love differently um, because because yeah. I, I don't necessarily mean love in an affectionate, um, endearing sense, but but kind of what you were describing is, you know, you feel compassion, you can see, you know, you can see the disconnect and, and where it comes from and, and hope for the best for them. So I guess I kind of mean in the agape sort of love for the world and mankind way as opposed to a right. specific like you have a special place in my heart kind of love so absolutely <laughs> well with that care I love that you said that because from that it, there's a million ways to define love right in the bible it says love is patient love is kind it does not boast I love that <laughs> right? record of wrongs <laughs> Right. And so I think that when I, when I think about the definition of like, and I love that you said agape because agape love, non-romantic love, right? Not even familiar. It's just like love and acceptance. I see that as total acceptance and allowing of the expression of everything in the world. Mm -hmm. And it removes the judgment of good or bad. Yes, exactly. Right. So I could look at, so for example, is a forest fire bad? Well, it puts nitrogen in the, in the soil. Right. Like earth doesn't go, oh shit, forest fire, right? Like <laughs> we judge it as bad in one context, but in the other context, it's necessary to clear out old brush and let let new, right, the soil be renewed and let sun come down to the, the earth again. And, and it's really necessary in some aspects, right? And so there's these good and bad things in life. You know, one of my favorite quotes is William Shakespeare, which says, uh, nothing is good or bad, only thinking makes it so. And uh, it reminds me of another quote, gosh, I can't, is it Steve Miraboli? There's another quote that says something like, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, when you realize that everything and everyone that has entered your life up until this point has created you to be the person that you be, you realize that there's nothing to forgive because everything happened for a reason, right? And so if I I could look at something like a relationship with my parents and go, they're bad people and those were bad experiences and I didn't enjoy the experiences, but if I called them bad, I'm taking away from what they've molded me into be today. Like how could I gain the perspective or the knowledge that I have without going through those tumultuous times. Mm-hmm. So love and acceptance is just, Oh, I, I love that. It just is yes. like, this was my environment and here I am. Cool. <laughs> right. Absolutely. It's not good. Or bad. And, and in, um, I believe it's DBT, but I don't know. My therapist said, um, <laughs> that, that, that type of thinking that you're describing that I also try to use is, uh, is called the celebration technique. And that's to, you know, it's to accept that, yeah, there may have been trauma, there may have been bad things that are associated with something, but you can still celebrate and and it's encouraged that you still celebrate what what came of that that was good in in some form or another. And I have lots of experiences like that too. And one of the, 
really cool things that I like I think about this a lot and one of the really cool things that I have noticed about using this type of thinking this stepping back and viewing it from as neutral like you know still validating your own feelings and allowing yourself to make the decisions you need to based on what your emotions are telling you and stuff but trying to observe it from a neutral point of view is it's a win-win situation then you're always winning every Every bad thing that happens to you is good for the the whole. And every good thing that happens to you is good for the whole. And no matter what you do, yeah. you're always ahead. Yes, exactly. You know, and this reminds me of, uh, it's called The Tale of the Taoist Farmer. Have you ever heard it? I haven't. Please tell me. So it's, I, I love it. it. It will change your life if you constantly remind, rem, like remember it and apply it to your life. So there's the story of this farmer and uh, he has a couple of horses that break out of the farm one day and they run off. And the villagers and his friends are like, dang, what a bummer, right? How unfortunate. And he goes, maybe. And a couple of days later, his horses come back with 10 wild horses. And now he has 10 more horses. And people <laughs> are like, that's awesome. And he goes, maybe. And then his son goes out to tend to the horses and is trying to break these horses. And one of the wild horses kicks him and breaks his leg. And the villagers go, Oh, how unfortunate. And he goes, maybe. But then there's a war happening and the government comes to draft his son for the war, right? And he's going to have to be a soldier, but his leg is broken so they they don't draft him. And people go, that's what a blessing. And he goes, (laughs) maybe, right? (laughs) And so if you look at everything that happens around us in the universe, in our lives, okay, it's never ending. There are not hard edges or starting and stopping points. Mm -hmm. Everything is just happening. It's interconnected. So nothing is good or bad. Like if you look on the, if you zoom in on this micro moment, like, oh, I'm getting divorced. This is terrible. And you zoom in with a microscope on that, that moment, you can judge it and say, well, it's bad. But if you zoom out, and you realize that allowed you to meet your absolute soulmate three years later, mm-hmm. then you go, oh my, what a blessing. Yeah, thank God Maybe. I had to go through all that pain. Uh, right? <laughs> and Exactly. And think about birth. Birth is absolute pain. People say the worst pain a woman could ever feel is, is labor, right? Mm-hmm. But what comes out of it is new life. Right? So you can use... Everything is everything. That's something I've realized. Like when it comes to laws of the universe, everything applies. There's these uni- universal laws and um, and truths. And so you think about anything new that has to come requires death to to precede it in every way. Yes. Right. So absolutely, absolutely. You said so many good things. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I okay. This is what happens. I get all flustered, and then I have to breathe because then I get. I get too excited. Take a breath. Um, <laughs> so I, one of the things that you said that, I mean, I, 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 you didn't say anything I don't agree with, which is cool. Um, I wanted to comment on the starting and stopping points. That is why writing is so hard. That's why it's so hard yeah. to write. Even if you're not writing like a fiction or like a, like a story, it's so hard to figure out like, where do you start? You know, where, where does this journey really begin? You know, like the journey really like, and that's one of the things I appreciated is you're like, I started by, you know, you didn't, you didn't, I don't know exactly how you phrased it, but by being born. And, and I love that because most people don't start the story there, but that's really true, you know, and, and you're talking about zooming out and, and I mean, the terms that I try to use, um, when I look at an individual situation, because we need to some degree, we need 
we need to be able to apply like right and wrong, you know, to make decisions, you know, what is, or the most right or whatever. Usually what I say is, is helpful and harmful. Um, you know, is this going to be helpful or harmful? And, and that's kind of how I try to judge for myself and, and I get it wrong, you know, sometimes, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's so interesting how, how exactly what you're talking about is in my experience at the very least, so true is everything that hurts leads to something good. Maybe it leads to, maybe it leads to more pain, which then leads to something good, but it, leads to something good in my experience. Absolutely. Well, and I think about, um, you know, when I got divorced, Mm -hmm. that was the grieving process was something I was not prepared for in any way. Like, I was like, what is happening to me? Uh, (laughs) I was was so unprepared for because I was the one that had chosen to leave and like, I wasn't happy. Right. And then when it happened, I mean, for more than a year, maybe 15 months or something, I was a fucking wreck. And I mean, literally life meant nothing to me. I just couldn't wait to die. And I, I hate to say that, but I mean, I found myself constantly just sobbing and being like, it's not fair that I have to be here. Like, I don't want to be here anymore is what I kept like saying. And, and I, that's, it was a very dark point in my life, but that period completely broke me open and made me so compassionate and intuitive and empathetic to other people that now my capacity to love and to feel for other people and to connect with other people, there's no way that I would be able to express myself the way I'm expressing myself right now to learn the lessons that I've learned and to have the capacity to have love for others like I do now without being completely broken down into nothingness because I had to rise from the ashes like a phoenix, right? And so without that experience, I would have just been bopping around still kind of not awake in that way like it required that death uh that part of me to die and to see that oh there's more here right um so pain is not bad it's a gift and i think where people suffer is they get attached to their pain Mm -hmm. right so not saying it to if you experience your pain fully and you let that show you what it has to show you and you come out on the other side, you're going to be better for it. Yeah. I, uh, yes, I was, (laughs) I just love, I just love what you're saying so much because I mean, uh, Andre and I actually, who's, who, uh, connected us or whatever, we did a whole episode called the light in the darkness. That was about exactly that. It was about, um, how like pain is there to teach you something. And it's, it's even like, if you're able to step outside of the idea that pain isn't fair, you know, that I shouldn't be experiencing this. If you're able to step outside of that idea and just observe, like, first of all, it's incredibly interesting because you're like, you're like, you know, like whether it's physical or emotional pain, it's like, what is going on? And you can explore it. And it's like this, it's like a novel or something where you can just really dive into it. And then the other thing is it's very, it's, it's also, you know, the best way to see non-pain is to compare it to pain, but it's also very like beautiful in its way, you know, where yes. it, it, it's, it's something that you're never going to see when you're not in pain, where it's like these emotions, this creativity that exists. I mean, comedians are, are a great example. Yes. Um, Music. And, and it, yeah, like it's this, this huge 
beautiful driving force that that leads us to places that we just wouldn't go otherwise. And right. And we are taught, and I understand why, but we're taught that like we shouldn't have pain. This isn't fair, you know. Like, I mean, I have chronic pain issues with um, <clears throat> fibromyalgia and sarcoid, but a bunch of stuff doesn't matter. But yeah. you know, I spent a long time in the why me, you know, because these are basically like right. random. They just kind of like you don't know. Like, you can two people can do almost exactly the same thing, and one will end up with fibromyalgia, and one won't. You know, so it's it's yeah. um, it's it's interesting. So. Like I said, I spent so much time, you know, hating my pain. And I wouldn't say that I enjoy it, like you mentioned earlier with the with the difficult times. But at the same time, I can I can really I can see I can see beauty in it. I can definitely see ways that my pain has led me to, you know, and the only reason I can do the podcast is because I am disabled and yeah. you know, am you know, stuck at home anyways, more or less, right? Like working a regular job doesn't work because of my many disabilities and stuff, you know? So, so there's an easy line to draw where it's freed me up to do a lot of things, but even beyond that, the pain itself, it, it's so interesting, you know, trying to find yes. patterns in it and, and why is this happening and what, like, oh, anyways, I could go on for a while, but that's not the point. I'm here to talk to you. <laughs> Well, I, I love what you're saying right now because I've had similar revelations recently where I'm like, whoa. So my first real heartbreak with my divorce, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like the deepest emotional pain that I've ever allowed myself to feel at the time. And so, but I really struggled against that pain. Well, when it happened the next time, right? You have more relationships and more breakups. And I was met with those similar emotions. I was like, okay. I have a totally different person. First of all, I know that I'm going to be okay because I've been through this before, Mm -hmm. right? And now I have a totally different way to uh, perceive it. And instead of struggling against it, I really, for the first time, allowed myself to just allowed myself to feel my feelings without judging them, Mm -hmm. without attaching thoughts to them. See, that's the thing. And I actually just made a video about this today. Feelings are like waves. Mm -hmm. They rise up and then they have this precipice point where it's like, oh, they max out and then they they dissipate, right? Yep. No feeling lasts forever, okay? So, but what happens is the we either try to suppress the feeling, but it's still there poking, trying to get in there, right? Or we, we start to feel it and instead of just breathing through, feeling your feelings and then just letting them process through you, mm-hmm. like a strainer, pouring water in a strainer, just let it go through. We dam it up with our thoughts and we attach these thoughts to it. We try to solve our pain. We try to resist it. We try to blame it, project it, right? Blame the other person. We'll make them responsible for my pain, right? Um, and so if instead you can sit there and you go, whoa, interesting that I'm feeling this way. Like, this is intense. Um, I did that for the first time, maybe just a couple months ago. It's so interesting that you just said that, but I was like, whoa. And I'm there like sobbing, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like wiping out from my face, just like bawling. And I was like, this is awesome that I get to experience what this feels like. Mm-hmm. Because the human experience is just that. It's just experience. We go, just like William Shakespeare says, we decide that certain things are good or bad. And because of that, we create suffering. So if we call our pain bad, instead of just feeling it and letting it go and then feeling it again and letting it go, we attach thoughts to it and we let it, we think about it, we think about it, we think about it. 
And that it's like a dam. So instead of letting the water pass through like a strainer, we dam it until there's all this pressure and eventually it just explodes and ruins us, right? So getting curious about your pain and just really looking at it and just sitting there with it. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh says, feel your pain, be there for it, cradle it like a little baby, you know, like I'm here for you and you just let it be. And then it goes away. And then it doesn't mean that there's not going to be another wave after that one. The ocean's full of them. You're constantly have these waves of feeling, but being curious about your pain and just allowing it to be without deciding it's good or bad is the only way to process it and heal from it. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Um, and, and so you, Hey Kara, see, this is what happens. Um, so, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm also throwing like eight minute monologues at you. So <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So the, yeah, first things first, I, that happens to me all the time now where like I'm talking about something and it might be something that I know that I have like some thoughts about or whatever, but like, I'm just talking and then all of a sudden I'm crying and there's like tears streaming down my face and I'm like, Oh, didn't expect that. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the, the what I was, what came to my mind as you were talking was um, the noting technique in meditation. Are you familiar with it? Noting? Uh, I don't know. So basically it's the idea that as thoughts or feelings, and it's, you use it while you're meditating, but of course you can, you can meditate throughout life. It doesn't have to be sitting saying "Om," right? Um, so you use it as you're meditating and basically as thoughts and feelings come into your mind and they will, um, you just go, oh, that's a feeling. You know, oh, that's a thought. Um, and 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 basically, they use the metaphor in the Headspace app, which is super cool. Um, if anyone wants to check it out, I, I know they have a free version. I have no idea what it includes. Um, but uh, they talk about using a like like a feather, like imagining that you're you're touching it with a feather, going oh, like you're just observing it and and letting it come into your mind, right? Because like, right. and I'm not I'm no psychologist, but when I think about intrusive thoughts versus like regular thoughts, I think the difference is that we give intrusive thoughts more weight because we all, right. you know, we've all walked across a bridge and gone, what would happen if I jumped off that? Because the brain is a fucking maniac, <laughs> right? Um, right? And it, 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 it's curious about all sorts of stuff that is terrifying. And so intru- like, you know, the only time it's bothersome is when we go, what the fuck just happened? Why am I thinking about jumping off the bridge? Oh my God, I'm thinking about jumping off that bridge. Am I suicidal? What is going on? And, and when we start really, really clinging on to our thoughts really hard, then they, they snowball, right? And I mean, they say, right. they say that feelings last for, you know, um, I don't know. I'm just throwing a number out there, but it's between, it's between like 10 seconds and two minutes. Like it's a super short period of time that the actual physical... Yeah reaction to the emotion comes but then we re-trigger it right we're like oh oh i'm sad or or oh i'm suicidal that's a great example of walking across that bridge your brain just does the thing it does and and you're like right i'm suicidal and then you start freaking out you start having anxiety and panicking and oh my god am i actually safe and what if i fell into it what if i decided to listen to it and all of that stuff but obviously you're not going to because the fact that that scares you in the first place <laughs> tells you that that's, right. that's not what you want to do. You know, oh, sorry. Right. I, I, I also go on eight minute monologue. So for two of a kind. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that means you just got some good stuff. I, I 100% agree with everything you just said. It's like thoughts, your, your mind, Alan Watts talks a lot about this where he's like, you know, if you sit there and you think about where are the thoughts coming from? 
because when, when we have thoughts, are we really directing a lot of them? Of course, when I'm here speaking and I'm saying things to you, I'm an active participant in what I'm thinking and saying. Yeah. But when you're just sitting there, think about when you're meditating, okay? And you sit there and you're like, I'm not going to think of anything. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, this, that, boom, this, that. Remember what you did in third grade when Stephanie made you feel stupid on the playground? And then you're like, I need to get more avocados at the store. Wait, do I have enough? And you're like, what the And you're frustrated because you feel like you're not in control of those because your mind is its own animal. Mm-hmm. The monkey brain, right? It's just like, it's constantly, it wants, it wants something to do. And that's why in meditation, the point is not to not do anything. You, you try to focus the mind on your breath or whatever, right? Or a monitor, whatever it is that you want to do. So, but the mind, if you identify with your mind, you're going to live a nightmare. <laughs> you, you, you don't identify with it. You witness it. You know, so we're always talking about being a witness to your thoughts and your feelings. Mm-hmm. So what we are, and this goes back to what we really are. We're humans having a spiritual experience. Yes, that's a loaded phrase that everybody always uses. But what we really are is just consciousness. Everything that Kara is today, everything that Becca is today, is just this accumulation of thoughts, feelings, personality traits, experiences. And we've, we were walking through this life going, I'm Becca, but I'm not. If you reduce me all the way down to what I really am is I'm just aware, but I'm expressing all these things because I have all these external stimuli and life experiences and things like that, that have made me collect this personality. Mm -hmm. Right? So if we're just awareness, then everything else beyond I am Everything else beyond my eyes are open, literally and figuratively, and I'm seeing these experiences happen. Anything beyond that is just the mind's opinion about it. It's all just judgments about it, mm-hmm. right? So you just watch things rise in your mind. You, you, you witness the emotions that you feel and you just go, huh, interesting. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, whoa, interesting, mad grief right now. Whoa, my am broken in half right now. This is interesting. Or you witness your joy and you're like, oh, I'm so excited. But it's it's the what we call positive experiences and emotions, the things that feel good to us. We don't judge those. We just allow them to be. But we have such a hard time not struggling against what we call the negative experiences or emotions or thoughts, right? And and that's where the trouble lies. So well, and I mean, I so first first thing that I kind of disagree, but maybe we do agree, and we're just phrasing it differently because that seems to happen a lot. Um, is I think that we do tend to judge positive experiences and. We we judge it through a lens of fear where something good is happening. And I mean, I've been really, really good at this lately because lots of good things have been happening. And as good things happen, it's like, oh shit, this is going to go away. Or is this real? Are you being tricked? You don't want to feel stupid. You know, you know, the, the, the storyline. And I mean, as, so I try to be mindful of the fact that these are just, you know, monkey brain, like you re- referenced and that it's okay. Um, it's okay to have whatever thoughts come out. Um, but definitely, uh, I think that my mind at least is very judgmental of the positive as well. And it's interesting. Anyways, well, I think that, I think one thing that comes to mind is you've got two separate experiences going on here. You're saying one, I'm having a positive experience, but again, it's your own mind that's projecting fear-based thoughts about that thing. Mm -hmm. 
that's not the feeling itself. I think it's your mind, your ego poking in and being like, well, that's not going to last. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's, I feel like human beings do struggle against positive experiences when there's an underlying belief that they don't deserve it or it's mm-hmm. not going to last. But going back to everything in this universe is impermanent. The good times don't last and neither do the shitty ones. Absolutely. It, it again goes back to just this radical acceptance and presence of what is in this moment. And if right now I'm feeling grief or loneliness, then I just sit with that and I experience it fully and then I let it pass. And then I'm in neutral until, and then maybe there's a positive experience and I get to sit and enjoy that, but I don't attach myself to it. Cause if I attach myself to it, guess what? That's going to dissolve too. And now I've created myself to feel sad again. So mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like this, mission to stay sort of neutral absolutely um, yeah and not to not feel i don't mean neutral in terms of don't feel good and don't feel bad it's just accepting everything as it is and as it comes gracefully letting things go that are good and gracefully accepting things that feel bad and that's how you can just stay centered and peaceful instead of attaching yourself to suffering. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with everything you said, um, especially like, you know, clarifying that you you mean neutrality, not indifference. Like that's right. huge. Um, <laughs> at least in my, in my experience, that's huge. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I wish that I wouldn't keep forgetting what I'm trying. Like, <laughs> it's okay. My boyfriend used to say that I had early onset Alzheimer's. So like I'm right there. So my brain is with cheese. <laughs> that makes me feel so much better. Yeah. I always used to say I have a memory of a goldfish. Um, <laughs> like what was I doing? Yeah. It's like, okay. I like, <laughs> I just had a thought and then it disappeared. Um, which I mean, you know, I guess I'm getting really, really good at letting go of my thoughts. That's what I'll say. There I'll just go. frame You're it like that. <laughs> Master the art of letting go of everything. <laughs> um, so, Becca, before I let you go, uh, can you let me know where my my listeners can find you? Absolutely. So folks, you can, uh, my Instagram handle is at Becca underscore Switzer, S-W-I-T-Z-E-R. Um, you can find my stuff there. I currently, I have a, uh, sales training channel, which is roof sales master. I actually teach roofing contractors, um, how to scale their businesses, but I do drop a lot of life lessons and stuff on there too. So soon I'm going to create a channel and maybe do some, write a book. Um, I'm working on that stuff, but for the meantime, you can find me on Facebook, Becca Switzer and, uh, at Becca underscore Switzer on Instagram. That is fantastic. And just for, um, so I follow you on Instagram. I don't know if you know that, but I follow you on Instagram and I've never even noticed the sales stuff. So, um, (laughs) so definitely worth the follow in my opinion. And then that way you guys can keep up to date on the wonderful things that she has coming down the pipeline. So thank you so much for joining me today, Becca. It has been a pleasure. Um, Anything you want to add before, before we go? Um, You know, I think that one thing I would add is for anybody, and this is what I said to Andre's audience as well, just remember that as you're going through this life, there's always more to be revealed. So when you're in a moment, whether it's good or bad, or you don't see the full picture or whatever, something that's constantly brought me a ton of peace is just understanding that 
there's more behind the curtain that I haven't seen yet. And so just be patient and curious about your life experience and see where it goes. Like the universe is constantly orchestrating things that you have no idea who or what is going to enter the equation for you. So there's always more to be revealed. You can rest on that. Absolutely. Yes. Remember the farmer. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, And to my audience, I love you guys. Bye. 